But yeah, like I was saying, I uh, tested the coring a strawberry with a straw. You just like put the the end of the straw at the like strawberry's butt, and then you push it through. Interesting. And you take all the like kind of like you know like the the part the white part that's kind of hard in comparison to like the rest of the strawberry inside. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the stem. Why would you need to do that though? All sorts of slides off. I just eat it. You eat the green? No, I take the green off. I just like pull it off with my thumb and eat the whole berry though. Yeah, but this way it doesn't like get your hands dirty as much. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I normally do the like just use my thumbnail and pull the middle part out, but I like that it takes like the whole white part out. It's not just like the part right around the. That's how much you hate whites, huh? Yep. Fuck (laughs) them. Welcome to the strange and unusual, where we discuss where we discuss the strange and unusual. This is episode seventy-five of our series, seeking out the weird, the unexplained, and the devious from around the world. I'm Roya, and I'm Casey. And this week, we're moving on from our Pride Month mini-series and on to our more usual or unusual content. Uh, this week's subject is rotten royals. <sighs> Um, as always, if you want to, you can find us on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcasts, uh, Twitter at underscore strange unusual, and Facebook at the strange unusual podcast. You can also find us on patreon.com slash strange unusual. So what are you talking about today, Casey? Oh, I'm talking about Nazis. Oh, Nazis come up in my stuff too. Oh, interesting. How shocking. It's almost like. It's almost like elitist motherfuckers sympathized with those bastards. Almost. I wonder if we talk about the same thing. I'm talking about Prince Edward, Prince of Wales. I do also talk about Prince Edward in my thing. Interesting. But mine is the very last one in my uh, options. So I might just leave it off. So you should probably go first so I don't steal your thunder. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I don't want to be like, I have like 15 sentences written down about this, and I, I mean, told Casey's case in rapid fire on accident. No, <laughs> you, you would not be able to do that with 15 sentences, because I have eight pages. I have four. Continue. <laughs> okay, so we lose, because this is gonna this is gonna suck for a lot of people. This guy is racist, imperialist, selfish as fuck, a Nazi sympathizer, and just the worst. Not not Jeffrey Dahmer bad, sort of, maybe, no. Edward VIII was born on June 23rd, 1894 in Richmond, Surrey. During the reign of his great-grandmother, Queen Victoria, he was the oldest son of George V and grandchild to Edward VII, and he was baptized, get ready for this, Edward Albert Christian George Andrew Patrick David. His family just called Fucking him David. People. Uh, so Edward was raised mostly by a nanny uh, for the formative years of his life, as royals are wont to do, and according to some sources, were only able to see their parents twice a day. When you see your child twice a day, it must be difficult to see signs of physical and emotional abuse. Oh, you do. <laughs> sassy uh when this is this is what happened to edward and edward and albert uh at the very least but was potentially also the case for mary henry george and john uh most information i found said it was just the first two um that the early nanny 
um, wasn't there wasn't much to go on because you couldn't even find her name. She's completely unnamed and everything. Uh, it said that she would pinch the children so that they would cry when being shown to their parents, um, which prompted mummy and daddy royals to return the screaming child to their abuser, who would then torment and sometimes not feed the princes. Uh, neglected. Yeah. Neglected Albert. She neglected Albert to the point where he would become ill as a result. If you, have you ever seen the King's speech? Yeah. Yeah, that whole part where he's uh, talking to Logue about it and he goes, and then she wouldn't feed me far, far away. Like, that's this lady. Um, And so they were given a new nanny, Charlotte Bill. They called her Lala, which I just love. Um, And she was the one who actually reported the actions of the head nanny immediately because she was like, holy shit, you're fucking up with the royal family's kids. Uh, So she was fired and Bill was made the primary caregiver for the children. Uh, Edward was privately tutored until he was 13 when he entered the Royal Navy Royal Naval College in Osborne and then moved to the Dartmouth uh, location two years later. I was about to say 13 joining the Navy, dang. (laughs) Uh, Edward did not get to enter the Royal Navy as planned uh, because once King Edward VII died, his father took over the throne as George V. This made Edward the Duke of Cornwall and Rothsay, and then later the Prince of Wales and Earl of Chest as uh, he turned seven or 16 years old. <clears throat> he was forced to train as the future king and was withdrawn from his naval courses before his graduation, and then he was thrown into a completely new school, a little school you probably haven't heard of called Oxford. Um... <laughs> It's said that he was not intellectually prepared for such a school and that he left after eight terms with little academic achievement, no degree, but he did have a good run with the polo team. When the First World War broke out in 1914, Edward was ready to go. He joined the Grandier Guards uh, that June, uh, but the Secretary of State saw to it that he would not serve on the front lines because he was heir to the throne. Still, he did see trench warfare and visited the front lines, which was a real boost to morale for the for the the guy slumming it in the trenches. Like, oh, hey, that's our prince. That's cool. And for this, quote, effort, he was awarded the military cross. And now it's time for a blast from the past. (laughs) Same audio as science facts. No, that's da 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 da. This is while on leave from his regiment, Edward liked to spend his time partying in Paris. This is where he was introduced to a little lady we know and love, Marguerite Alibert. That's right, BB. I took you all the way back to episode 25. That was 50 episodes ago. <laughs> if you remember, Edward wrote her all of these naughty letters. Remember, he was the man of, quote, appalling discretion who could not keep a secret. So after he broke it off with Maggie Muller, he, uh, go check out that episode for more information on that. Uh, but he maintained a reputation for womanizing and fuckboy behavior, which worried his family and the prime minister. General fuckboy behavior. Yes. His father, King George, was quoted as saying, after I am dead, the boy will ruin himself in 12 months. I want you to all hold on to that little, that little anecdote. That number (laughs) is important later. In 1919, John, the youngest brother of the family who suffered from epilepsy, died after an intense seizure at the age of 13. The good Prince Edward, 11 years older than his sick little brother, considered this, quote, little more than a regrettable nuisance. 
Yep. Fucking royals, man. Uh, Prince John, because of his illness and learning disabilities, which now many people think was actually autism, um, seemed to be the embarrassment of the family and has previously been left off official royal family trees, actually. In one letter to his... Yeah. In one letter to his then mistress, Edward wrote, I told you all about that little brother, darling, and how he was an epileptic. He's been particularly shut up for the last two years anyhow, so no one has ever seen him except the family, and then only once or twice a year. This poor boy had become more of an animal than anything else. Uh, which I want to I want to say this because I really think this is lovely. This really touched me in a, a nice way. Lala, the, the nanny uh miss bill who took care of the boys was actually very fond of john and took incredible care of him and Uh when she died they went to her home and she had this big portrait of prince john on over her mantle because she just loved that child so much and i was like i love that story okay that's all i wanted to say about prince john uh so he wrote, he also wrote a rather insensitive letter to his mother about it and then followed up with an apology where he called himself a cold hearted and unsympathetic swine. Yes. Yes, Prince Edward. Self awareness is good. Now let's work on it. Edward got a lot of media attention as he went around representing the royal family throughout the 20s and was quite popular due to his good looks, his skill as a pilot, and a polo player. He had been the first British monarch to fly an aircraft, having gotten his pilot license in 1918. Despite his extensive world travels, though, visiting many different lands under the British Empire, Edward was still a racist little shit. Well, yeah. He went to Australia in 1920, and on the subject of the indigenous peoples there, he wrote, quote, They are the most revolting form of living creatures I've ever seen. They are the lowest known form of human beings and are the nearest things to monkeys, end quote. Jesus. So we hate this guy. Yeah, he sucked. Excellent. During the economic depression of the 30s, he also toured the poorer heirs Britain proper, uh, making him even more popular amongst the people. He spent years after his rendezvous with Maggie Malheur uh, engaging in illicit affairs with married women. So as you imagine, this kept him from finding a suitable wife as a prince. One of these women, a Viscountess named Thelma Furness, or Furness. I like to say Furness. Yeah, I like <laughs> Furness too. Who is also coincidentally... Anderson Cooper's great aunt, grand aunt, his his mother's aunt, uh, and she introduced Edward to this American divorcee, Wallace Simpson. Bessie Wallace Warfield was born on June 19th, 1896. Uh, She lived in the Baltimore area growing up, uh, going to an exclusive all-girls school on her rich uncle's dime. She was said to have fallen madly in love with at least two teachers and many of her girlfriends, though there is no proof of any homosexual relationship sad uh she was married to an aviator for the u.s navy winf uh winfield spencer uh but it was not a happy relationship said that wallace uh recoiled from the kiss at the ceremony and that she asserted that the marriage was never consummated they divorced in 1927 but she allegedly had an affair with mussolini's son-in-law count gelazzo chiano while traveling in beijing she really got around to some important people in the world yes now, there is a rumor that this affair resulted in a botched abortion, which left Wallace infertile. But this was never substantiated, and Etta Mussolini, his wife, denied that it ever happened, because of course she did. Uh, before her divorce was finalized, Wallace had become involved with what would be husband number two, Ernest Aldrich Simpson, a British-American businessman. This, too, was said by Wallace to have been a platonic relationship only. 
During the Depression of the 30s, the Simpsons were living beyond their means and facing financial difficulties. On January 10th, 1931, Lady Furness introduced <laughs> Wallace to Prince Edward. Thelma was currently serving as the mistress to the prince, uh, but was ousted by the prince after becoming sexually involved with Wallace, which he allegedly denied, despite palace staff allegedly seeing them in bed together. The courtiers became increasingly concerned as the affair began to interfere with his official duties and the relationship only deteriorated with his father. His dad did not like this bitch. Uh, so Wallace at one point comes to the palace to be introduced to um, Edward's mother. And George, King George, was so angry about it and like refused to see her. He was like, no, 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 not this bitch. Uh, so she was later refused at court completely. She became indispensable to the prince, though, and uh, organized dinner parties and went on holidays with him. There are some stories about how uh, they were being followed by police and reporting back to the royal family. Uh, but I'm going to get into that a little bit later because, well, they thought she was a Nazi spy. So that's fun. Anyway. On that's, January, what I, that's how I would describe it. Yeah. Fun. On January 29th, 1936, George V died. Edward oh, was to be made King of England. However, despite the fact that there was a huge no-no to tradition and societal norms, Edward continued to be seen with his twice-divorced woman, even bringing her with him to official events like the proclamation of his accession. Uh, the family was trying their best to keep this publicity horror story hush-hush, but Edward's uh, Edward was not about, you know, hiding her. He did not want to, you know, sweep Wallace under the rug, which, you know, good on you, buddy. Yeah, I guess. Uh, for for the reasons that we will see coming up, Edward is often called the most romantic royal. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that, but we'll see. <laughs> Rumors spread and uh, the press worldwide started printing these scandalous stories. But the... Um, British people or the British papers voluntarily seemed to ignore this scandal. Like, so the British public were unawares of what was going on. Meanwhile, the guys in America are like, oh, shit, dude. <laughs> like, did you see what Edward is up to? Is that crazy? <laughs> um, but finally, in December of 1936, Bishop Blunt of Bradford, which is a, a lot mouthful. of alliteration, uh, <laughs> he publicly denounced the couple from the pulpit. He was like on his shit at church saying, fuck you, fuck your divorcee, this is wrong. And the issue with this whole thing at the time is like, from a political standpoint, this would be morally unacceptable to the public. Uh, the King yeah. of Great Britain, Edward, was also the leader of the Church of England. And according to the Church of England at this time, divorced people were not allowed to remarry unless the former spouse had died. So uh, kill the former spouse. Well, that's what Henry did. Yeah. Uh, so he could not, in good faith, uh, violate the tenets of a church that he headed, right? Uh, mm. And Wallace would never be accepted as queen. She was not only twice divorced, but also American. As we've seen, has played out in the current situation. Yeah. Like any good politician, Edward tried to negotiate. Okay, okay, but what about this? What if I stay king and Wallace gets like a lesser title? Like definitely not queen. And if we have children, they, they don't get a right to the throne. Uh, we'll leave Albert as the as the heir and his kids after him. Right? That's cool, right? Uh, that's called a Morganatic marriage. Uh, and the proposal was absolutely rejected. <laughs> uh, and it 
needs to be said that, uh, from what I gathered, Edward was absolutely not a good politician. During a visit to the depressed area of Wales, he said something like, something must be done for these unemployed coal miners, and then offered absolutely no suggestions or real ideas for how to fix the problem. (laughs) Like a real politician. (laughs) Right? Also, ministers within the government were hesitant to send him any kind of confidential information because, as I said, they thought Wallace might be a spy. And he didn't pay any attention to what they would send. So he was like, this is going to go straight into her hands. Yeah. And she could potentially sell our nation's secrets. So George V had styled himself with this royal neutrality and stayed out of politics for the most part. He was just like, I'm the ruler. Uh, you don't need to know what my what my ideals are, essentially. Uh, while Edward liked to be less discreet with his p- political leanings. And the prime minister, Stanley Baldwin, gave him an ultimatum. He gave him three options. He said, look, you can forget about Wallace. You can marry her anyway against the wishes of the ministers, uh, which Edward would know would likely cause the government to completely resign and prompt a constitutional crisis, or he could abdicate. So on December 10th, 1936, King Edward abdicated the throne of Great Britain, becoming the only British monarch to resign voluntarily at this time. Uh, Announced on the radio, he said, At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. I have never wanted to withhold anything, but until now, it has not been constitutionally possible for me to speak. A few hours ago, I discharged my last duty as king and emperor, and now that I have been succeeded by my brother, the Duke of York, my first words must be to declare my allegiance to him. This I do with all my heart. You all know the reasons which I have, which have impelled me to renounce the throne, but I want you to understand that in making up my mind, I did not forget the country or the empire, which, as Prince of Wales and lately as king, I have for 25 years tried to serve. You must believe me when I tell you that I have found it impossible to carry the heavy burden of responsibility to discharge my duties as king as I would wish to do without the help and support of the woman I love. And I want you to know that the decision I have made has been mine and mine alone. This was a thing I had to judge entirely for myself. The other person most nearly concerned has tried up to the last to persuade me to take a different course. Um, so essentially, he's he came out and said, I'm doing this because I love this woman. And she told me not to do this. Yeah. Uh, now, the reason. Well, yeah, because she won't be able to spy if he's not. Ah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um. What did he say? He said, uh, I made this the most serious decision of my life only upon the single thought of what would in the end be best for all. There's another quote in here I wanted to say. I now quit public affairs altogether and I lay down my burden. It may be some time before I return to my native land, but I shall always follow the fortunes of the British race and empire with profound interest. And if at any time in that future I can be found of service to his majesty in private station, I shall not fail. And now... We all have a new king. I wish him and you, his people, happiness and prosperity with all my heart. God bless you all. God save the king. That's important that he says, he says in this speech, I now quit public affairs. Because mm-hmm. guess what? He does. He's not, he's, he's not going to do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so what he said about. He lied. Uh, like a about, liar. <laughs> how could he? He's a prince or a king or something. Uh. So Wallace was terrified about Edward abdicating for her. Uh, And one of the reasons for that is, according to her biographer, um, she wasn't actually in love with him. Ooh, saucy. There were, 
There were two other guys she considered the loves of her life. Uh, one was a guy named Herman Rogers, who comes up a lot. If you are interested in the, the history of Prince Edward and, and Wallace, he's all over the place, like trying to convince her not to do the shitty things she's about to do, basically. And another guy was a Spanish gentleman named Philippe. Uh, but yeah, she was allegedly not into Edward. Now, why she accepted his marriage proposal, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> That's my question to Wallace with all three of these dudes. If you didn't want to marry them like if you weren't in love with them why did you marry them why i want to know wallace call me up i know you're dead but (laughs) i'll get out that ouija board let's talk uh so they were married on june 3rd 1937 edward invited his siblings to attend but there was a family ban on the occasion and so edward felt snubbed and like incredibly bitter about this uh he was given the title the duke of windsor and, and so Wallace was the Duchess of Windsor, except for that uh, she was not allowed to be your royal highness, the Duchess of Windsor. She was just the Duchess of Windsor. And uh, he didn't like that either. Of course he didn't. The newlyweds went for a honeymoon in Austria. According to the biographer I was talking about, uh, Andrew Morton, uh, this would be Wallace's third unconsummated marriage, according to, to Wallace. Although they were having sex beforehand. By some accounts, it's very confusing. I don't know if they actually ever did anything. Uh, But the Windsors lived mostly in France for the following years. He wasn't allowed to return home unless he wanted the royal family to rescind his generous allowance. And the strain on the relationship between his family and his country only worsened when Edward decided to sort of put himself back in the public eye. And you want to know how he did that? Of course I do. He decided that it would be a great idea to... Go visit Nazi Germany in 1937. Ah, uh, that'll do it. <laughs> That's a, this is a way to rocket myself back into the public eye. And he was. Uh, they were greeted with fanfare. There were crowds of people. Bands were playing. Basically the full red carpet treatment when they arrived. Now, the official, the official reason that he gave for going was that he wanted to learn more about the regime's employment and housing policies without, quote, any political considerations and merely as an independent observer. Sure. Yeah. I and, also and- want to go visit Nazi Germany to see how they house soldiers. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly why you go to Nazi Germany. Edward fancied himself as a mediator between the countries. Mm. He was like shoehorning himself into this position. Mm-hmm. He spent 12 days in Germany touring the workers' housing He toured factories, all while traveling in Hitler's personal train, no less. It was an all-expenses-paid trip, with the Nazis picking up the tab. The couple met with Joseph Goebbels, Hermann Göring, uh, Joachim von Hibbentrop, Rudolf Hess, Heinrich Himmler, Albert Speer, and later, the man himself, Hitler. Uh, So the Duke was even photographed with Hitler doing the Nazi salute, and that is good. I'm sure the royal family loved that. Oh, this was hella embarrassing for them. (laughs) Two years after the start of the war with Germany, Edward was appointed as the liaison to the French army by the by the Brits. They were trying to like, hey, be our friend. Remember, you're in France. We need you to help us out. But the Nazis invaded in May of 1940. The Windsors decided to go on vacation. And they went to Spain and Portugal because the war is pretty much just a big party pooper. And so they, you know, decided to ask some Nazis to look after their home while they were gone. Yes, just keep an eye out on this place for us. Thanks. Do you think they played a part in France invading? I don't or know. the Nazis invading France, rather. 
Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. But Churchill knew that this was bad fucking news. Uh, and he was trying to get the Windsors back into Britain or, you know, somewhere. Somewhere where but, they could be monitored. Yeah. Edward was dragging his feet. He was like, I want to make sure I get a position that's suitable for me uh, with my former rank. And when I return, I want to make sure that Wallace is not treated poorly and all this other shit. And so during this time, the Germans were actually also trying to get the Windsors. Um, And so what their big plan was, was that they were going to get the Windsors on their side, essentially. And they would invade the British Isles and Edward would be put back on the throne as the collaborating king. That was Hitler's big scheme. Uh, it's not a bad this was, one. It was confirmed uh, by intel that was uh, going from Madrid and Lisbon in Portugal. Windsor, uh, a quote, Windsor spoke strongly against Churchill and against the war. Edward also described himself as a firm supporter of peaceful compromise with Germany. In one Lisbon telegraph, uh, it said the Duke believes that, I'm sorry, the Duke believes with certainty that continued heavy bombing will make England ready for peace, which yo, dude. I don't think your people are going to really appreciate that, my friend. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Lisbon, there's a great story uh, where Wallace apparently had left a bathing suit in one of her French villas. And so she asked for um, help from the American minister in Lisbon and uh, the American consulate in Nice to have her bathing suit returned to her while, while World War II is going on. It's a very important bathing suit. It was privately referred to as Operation Cleopatra Whim. <laughs> uh, so it was suggested that Edward may have been the inspiration for the carpet bombing of the civilian targets in Britain, though it remains unverified. There is potential for Edward to be considered pro-Nazi or Nazi sympathizer at the very least and believed uh, in the politics of appeasement. Churchill kept an eye on the Duke, knowing that the, he was a threat, especially if he spoke against the Allies to the press, because Nazi Germany, as we know, was a master of propaganda. Yeah. Uh, he sent a direct message to Edward telling him not to mention any views on the war uh, on Hitler or Germany that would go against what the Brits were putting out, essentially. He's like, don't fuck this up for us, basically. Uh, so Edward conti- uh, continued to drag his feet. And so Churchill basically said, fuck it. And so, blast from the past part two. (laughs) Churchill wanted Edward as far away from the turbulent situation as possible. And in July 1940, appointed him as the governor of the Bahamas, which I also talked about in the Maggie Miller episode. Um, I remember I called him a huge racist pig because he Mm -hmm. said all that shit about those people in Barbados. Yeah. Well, poor little Duke didn't want to be the governor of what he considered a third class British colony. He sucks. I hate this guy. And all the people who flock there now, it's like for their luxury vacations. And this guy was like, it's a third class British colony. (laughs) Uh, So he only agreed to the appointment if Churchill would take two active soldiers out of their appointment to serve as his manservants in the Bahamas. Yep. Uh, While he was there, though, he was praised for his efforts to combat uh, poverty and uh, his resolutions of civil unrest for low wages. He, He... uh, got wage increases to these people, but he was still a racist classist piece of shit. On the bohemian journalist and politician Etienne de Pouc, I hope I'm saying that right, um, he said, quote, it must be remembered that de Pouc is more than half Negro, and due to the peculiar mentality of this race, they seem unable to rise to prominence without losing their equilibrium. By the way, that journalist was later knighted by Lizzie the Deuce. So, hey, Lizzie, God save the queen. 
<laughs> On the unrest of Nassau in 1942, he was quoted as saying, the whole problem started because of mischief makers, quote, communists, men of Central European Jewish descent who had secured jobs as a pretext for obtaining deferment of draft. He hated the communists, particularly the Bolsheviks, ah, ah, I remember that episode, in <laughs> Russia for killing his godfather, Tsar Nicholas II. Uh, and this is a lot of what was considered to be a part of how, how his political views were shaped. Wallace was suspected of being a Nazi spy, as I said, um, with the rumors that she and uh, Ribertrop, the foreign secretary guy, uh, that they had had an affair. There was some story about how he apparently sent her uh, 17 carnations, one for each time they had sex. So that's romantic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the couple had apparently left just in time from uh lisbon as the germans allegedly planned on kidnapping the couple from their home officers had been made to keep the former king in europe and put him and his wife as king and queen back on the throne like i said um they were offered like a million dollars in a castle basically uh and they didn't accept they also didn't decline <laughs> <laughs> apparently wallace was having a good think about it uh, so this turned into Operation Will or Operation Willie uh, to make this compliant king because the, the Nazis were like, we don't have a lot of time for you to fucking think about it. So we're just going to steal you and make you do it. Uh, and so they came in and basically tried to convince the Windsors that this British government was going to have them killed because of their supposed involvement. And everyone knows how much Churchill hates you and how they, you know, he hates what you what you stand for. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but they only left because Churchill threatened to court-martial the Duke if he didn't take the position, which meant he would have to go face a trial. And he did not want to do that. Fair. In an interview with an American magazine, Edward said, quote, There will be no revolution in Germany, and it would be a tragic thing for the world if Hitler were to be overthrown. Hitler is the right and logical leader of the German people. Hard disagree. Also, quote, Hitler is a great, very great man. God, that just sounds like some Donald Trump Doesn't statement. it, though? Doesn't it, though? So after the war, full reports of the relationship between the Nazis and the Windsors were uh, found, essentially. There was a whole, whole business. There was like a film reel and there were there were letters and it was called the Windsor file. And it's all mostly still classified. So we still don't know the extent of his involvement with World War II. However, we do know what he said publicly, uh, and in his memoirs, he admitted he admired the Germans, but denied being pro-Nazi. Quote, the Fuhrer struck me as a somewhat ridiculous figure with his theatrical posturings and his bombastic pretensions. Except for that also in the 60s, he spoke openly with a friend saying Hitler was, quote, not such a bad chap. In 1951, the Duke had produced a ghost-written memoir, as I mentioned, A King's Story, which he expressed disagreement with liberal politics. He blamed World War II on the, quote, anti-appeasement politicians in Britain, Roosevelt, and the Jews. In 1953, the Duke and Duchess watched the televised coronation of Queen Elizabeth II, his niece, from their home in Paris. In 1966, he said the UK should have stayed out of the war while the Nazis and Reds slogged it out. And what's fascinating to me is that Wallace was cold and unloving to her husband by all accounts. And he had, he was quoted as once or, or many times asking her, am I going to bed in tears again tonight? 
which like you, you hear that and you're like oh but then you're like you're a fucking nazi i don't care yeah i don't give a shit you're fucking nazi Fuck so you. according according to the biographer martin all they shared at the end of their marriage together was a mutual interest in quote golf fascism and casual racism <laughs> He died on May 28th, 1972 from throat cancer. And in his last breaths, he whispered, Wallace, Wallace, Wallace. And he died in the arms of a nurse, a stranger, and not the woman for which he abdicated the throne. Wallace, for her part, uh, went into basically seclusion. uh, And she died in Paris on April 24th, 1986 of coronary heart disease. With no heirs or relatives, the estate was left to the Pasteur Research Institute. And that is the story of that fucking Nazi prince, Edward, Duke of Windsor. He sucks a bunch. He does suck a bunch, and I hate him. But the guy who played him in a kink speech was so good at playing him, because I hated him then, too. I would have to rewatch it, because I watched it once, like, shortly after it came out, and I did not focus on it. Like, I was like, this oh. is this is boring. It's so good! Yeah, but I, I feel like I would have a different opinion about it now, being a little older. Yeah. But I love, I think I saw it in the theater. I was like, I'm into, this is my shit. I love history shit. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And Colin Firth is so good. And Helena Bottom Carter is so good. And the little girl who plays Elizabeth and Margaret, they're both so good. Like, uh, so good. (laughs) (laughs) So in light of the last couple weeks, very rough episodes. Yeah. um, I decided to try to lighten the mood some in this episode. Yeah. What, are you saying my story wasn't light enough for you and my Nazis and my divorcees? Uh, so I am talking about royal conspiracy theories. Excellent. Let's go. No conspiracy theory is too batshit here. Did I cover your conspiracy theory? One of them. Excellent. So excited. Um, but okay, so we're starting off big. Prince Charles is a vampire. Absolutely. So, since Prince Charles and the royal family are actually distantly related to Vlad the Impaler, the Romanian prince who inspired Bram Stoker's Dracula, it's a natural step in the progression of a conspiracy theory (laughs) to say that the whole family is vampires, especially Prince Charles. To throw a little additional clout behind this theory, um, because the, quote, disease Prophyria is present amongst the royals. Prophyria is an iron deficiency disease that makes the skin sensitive to sunlight. Oh. Automatically vampire. You're definitely a vampire. Uh, conspiracy theory number two. Queen Elizabeth I was actually a man. Though seen more as just misogyny now than a real theory, there was a conspiracy theory that Queen Elizabeth I died as a child and was replaced by a similar looking young boy. Uh, I believe named Neville. Um, This was used as a way to explain why she was such a strong leader and why she remained chaste, but it's more likely that the men of the time just couldn't handle the idea of a powerful woman being in charge. She was like, I don't think you ready for this jelly. (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what Queen Elizabeth I said. (laughs) She was the origin. She was the the inspiration for Bootylicious. That's right. (laughs) Um, Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding is part of a plot for Britain to gain control back over America. Please, please do something about it. (laughs) I mean, I know, I know Boris isn't a whole lot better. In fact, I'd say he's probably right up there, but 
God, something needs to give. So the idea here stemmed from a tweet by Twitchy editor Greg Polowitz after the announcement of her pregnancy, saying, quote, Prince Harry's kids will be Americans. What if one grows up to be president and is also in line for the throne at the same time? Brits are playing long ball here, but it's a smart move. They want America back, and this is how they'll do it. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> that's a stretch, buddy. But didn't Harry abdicate? Yeah, that's what I was saying. When I wrote that, I didn't even think about. He didn't technically have, he wasn't like king abdicating. Yeah. But he did, he did step down, yeah. Yeah, he stepped out of the line of succession, I thought. Yep, 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 he did. But this might have been before that, before they were like, yeah, fuck y'all, we're moving to America. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, a personal favorite of mine, the queen is a shape-shifting alien reptile. <gasps> I love it. David Ick, a British conspiracy theorist who has the best name ever, yes, has shared an Illuminati theory where the royal family is actually the descendants of a line of humans who mated with alien reptile creatures. This allowed them to, quote, attain powers with no elaboration as to what those powers are. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm so <laughs> excited. I hope this comes to fruition. I want to see it. Uh, next conspiracy theory. Meghan Markle is a secret agent. Oh, I love that. Love that for her. <laughs> Paul Bettany. Yes. Our favorite vision what? from the MCU joked oh, okay. on Jimmy Fallon's talk show about Meghan Markle saying, quote, I think that Meghan Markle might be a sleeper agent for the U.S. government. The dad doing photos thing. It's like a false flag event. I think the CIA is involved everybody i think piers morgan's involved <laughs> even though this was clearly set up as a joke it's done rounds online and has oh, caused no. some actual tinfoil hats to come out about it yeesh big yeesh <laughs> uh they're all members of the illuminati that one's pretty self-explanatory yeah this one is one that i thought was particularly interesting so this one is a conspiracy theory that Queen Elizabeth I is actually the real William Shakespeare. I have heard that one. Yeah. So there's... As a theater major, that makes sense that I heard that one. But yes. Yeah. There's tons of theories about the authenticity of William Shakespeare and who actually wrote the plays and sonnets he became famous for. Kit Marlowe. Yeah. I mean, to the point that like the who was William Shakespeare could be a, a Patreon episode about the it conspiracy theories and the analysis into it. Um, but I was not aware that one of those theories is that Queen Elizabeth I was the author, which makes some sense because she would have had a very deep understanding of the court, which William Shakespeare wouldn't necessarily have had given the idea of his origin. Right. Um, and she was also known for, to really enjoy writing in general and being very intelligent and extremely witty, which are all things that are attributed to William Shakespeare as well. Yeah, I... Gosh, what was I reading? Oh, shit. I was reading about Shakespeare recently because of our uh, our pride sessions. Uh-huh. Because uh, the amount of drag that was done in the globe. Yeah. And how, uh, like, drag stood for something, like, dressed Resembling a girl. Resembling a girl, yes. And I was like, man, that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that for so long like a a to kind of go on that conversation um a job that is seen by many as being like effeminate now for men which is like being a stage actor even stage though actor, like yeah. you know there are tons of straight stage actors is that for so long they were like even not even just in like western theater but like men could were the only ones that could be actors 
So it's mm-hmm. like, of course, mm-hmm. this like, you know, effeminacy idea came about when, you know, men are having to learn straight men who are not effeminate necessarily in their day to day life are having to learn how to be feminine. Mm hmm. And then that's going to perpetuate the stereotype that being in theater means that you can portray a feminine exterior, which is then just propagated into all theater actors are gay. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is one that I'm sure will come up later whenever we get around to talking more in depth about him. But Queen Victoria's grandson was Jack the Ripper. It's been a long-standing theory that Queen Victoria's grandson, Prince Albert Victor, a.k.a. Prince Eddie? Sure. Yeah. Was actually the notorious serial killer Jack the Ripper. But like I said, I'm sure a Jack the Ripper episode or two will be happening before this podcast ever dies out or whatever happens to it. So I'm sure we'll talk about that in more detail there. Yeah. So on to what I was actually going to try to frame my case around but i couldn't find a ton other than just like yeah this happened and it sucked so i went down the conspiracy theory route um was princess diana was murdered she didn't die in an accidental car accident yes i was hoping we would do an episode on this but i'm I'm glad you're you're talking about it so in 1997 princess diana died suddenly in a horrible car accident with um egyptian nobleman uh dodi al-fayed um the two were reportedly lovers there's some allegations that she was pregnant with his child but there's no even uh his father is the main perpetuator of that theory Um, but all of the medical tests and body, uh, autopsy and everything, nothing proved, allegedly, nothing has ever come out that she was actually pregnant. Um, so, uh, but was it an accident? Some people still to this day adamantly believe that it wasn't an accident. I'm kind of one of them. Um, especially after doing some uh, basic research into it. Um, but believed it wasn't an accident, but a plot to have her killed. So there's a theory that, um, because in order for Prince Charles to marry, she had to die because he couldn't divorce her. He couldn't remarry if he divorced her mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, without abdicating the throne, because we just kind of talked about that with Edward. Yeah. And, um... Then she was already uh, not well-liked by the royal family, by what we are led to believe now, um, kind of in a similar situation as Meghan Markle Meghan is right Markle. now, yeah. which uh, lends some credence as to why I think um, that pair, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, moved, Yeah, was because I think that he saw this happen to his mother and was like, no, we're getting out of there before... Yeah. There can be another accident. Shout out to Harry. Like, uh, eat the rich, but also good on you, mate. Yeah. Um, and so there's, like I said, there's the theory that she was pregnant with Dodi Al-Fayed's uh, child, which would have... That would have been a beautiful baby. Oh my god, it would have been such a pretty baby. <laughs> Princess Diana was so pretty. She was so gorgeous, yeah. And like, and so there's the theory that that was the case. Um, she also had had a a romantic entanglement with a bodyguard of hers that also died shortly before this in a car accident in like a similar 
um, kind of manner, like something went wrong with the car. So there's tons of theories as to what happened and why it happened. The official consensus is that it was a terrible accident that resulted in her death. There were flashes on the road that temporarily blinded the driver and caused him to crash. Um, There's Mm. some allegations that it was due to the pursuit of the paparazzi and that the flashes that caused the blinding of the driver were from cameras, but uh, an investigation into that showed that there was no way that the paparazzi could have actually been responsible. Like, their cameras weren't bright enough to have blinded the driver significantly enough to cause an accident. There's also, uh, was reportedly a conversation between Queen Elizabeth II and a confidant that after the, um accident happened the queen remarked that someone must have greased the brakes to the confidant um but the thing that makes it pretty specific queenie yeah the thing that makes it even creepier to me is that princess diana uh pinned a letter to her one-time butler paul burrell who was also like a pretty big confidant of hers and uh it's pretty damning (laughs) Quote, I am sitting here at my desk today in October, longing for someone to hug me and encourage me to keep strong and hold my head high. This particular phase of my life is the most dangerous. Is plan, uh, the theory coming up in her own letter, um, that there was a planning for an accident in her car, in my car. Brake failure and a serious head injury in order to make a clear path for Charles to marry. Yo. While this may just seem like the concerns of a lonely woman, however, she had experienced problems previously with her car and had vo- voiced fears upon them about them. And like I said, her bodyguard had died in an accident that she believed had been a conspiracy intended for her. Eesh, 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 eesh. So, uh, there's more, there's more, we could definitely do an episode still on Princess Diana because I'm just touching a little bit on it because the more I was looking into it, the more I was just like, I think that something happened. It's one of those like, like the, there's a lot of famous murders or suicides, not necessarily murders, there's a lot of famous suicides or accidental deaths that I'm just like, okay, but. Like, the more I've looked into, uh, like, Marilyn Monroe's death, the more I'm like... Oh, yeah. "Mm -hmm." Goodbye, Nolan Majid. And, like, I 100% believe that uh, Kurt Cobain didn't kill himself. Yeah. Without a doubt. I don't know who... I I wonder who could have done it. There's two good candidates that were both working together to me, but there's too much evidence, like, too much evidence that he couldn't have done it. He literally couldn't have done it. Yep. And then you've got, like, the the Lee family curse between Bruce Lee and Brandon uh, Lee. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And, like, there are some things that I'm just like, this is a little, it's a little on the nose that she's saying, you know, they're playing, they're, it's going to be a car accident. It's going to be a head trauma, which is exactly what happened to her. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, moving on to the next conspiracy theory. Uh, super casual. The queen is a sat- Satanist cannibal. Oh, man, I wish that was true. There's a particularly the part. <laughs> there's a particularly odd theory that wherever Queen Elizabeth and Prince Charles travel, children go missing. Weird. 
Tons of kids were allegedly reported as missing when the pair traveled to Canada, but there's obviously no proof of these allegations or that the two things are actually linked. This is clearly why she's lived so long, though, and looks so good. She's got that Elizabeth Bathory magic. Hell yeah. Now, I'm not gonna say that I think it's a conspiracy theory that what's-his-face in the royal family with connections to, uh... Epstein? Epstein. Andrew. Good yeah. Andrew. Uh, yeah. That's probably why the kids are going missing around the royal family. I'm just Would saying. Would not be a surprise. Don't come for us royals. <laughs> Man. This wild conjecture. <laughs> Don't come for us, Courtney Love. Uh, so Princess Diana and Prince Charles had a secret daughter. I don't oh. know if this one counts as a secret daughter, though. <laughs> so allegedly, when Diana and Charles uh, were first starting to like get serious and dating and talking about getting married, they had to go to a gynecologist to confirm Diana's fertility. And at that point, the doctor harvested some of her eggs, and it's unclear if she knew this happened. Oh. The doctor then fertilized the eggs with Prince Charles's semen, which I don't know how he got, no explanation on that, and then had his wife carry the baby who they named Sarah. What? Yeah. I don't know, man. I- what? (laughs) Uh, According to an article in Women's Day, Sarah was, quote, exiled to stop the scandalous truth from hitting the headlines. What? (laughs) This can't be real. I hope it's not, because that's a terrible doctor. Yeah. Oh, uh, we could do a whole episode on bad doctors, Oh, too. yeah. No, I we've already talked about it, and I know who I'm talking about, and oh. we better do some real lighthearted episodes leading up to it. <laughs> okay. Because I'm going to be talking about a Nazi. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. Oh, no. Yep. I know the Nazi, and I'm upset already. <laughs> Uh, so cons- next conspiracy theory, supermoons are linked to the royals' birthdays. Basically because Prince Charles celebrated his 68th birthday during a powerful supermoon, theorists believe that members of the royal family gained their strength and power from supermoons. Again, no explanation of these strengths or powers. I don't know if they mean that they have superpowers or if they're like powers in like they l- are put in a position of leadership powers you know what i mean yeah i don't know i, don't know I lean towards they have superpowers <laughs> i love that i wish that were true um and then the last one aside from the king edward one which i did have um is prince george didn't die in a plane crash but was actually murdered so prince george was the fourth son of king george V and queen mary yes um, he was known to be part of the Royal Navy in the 1920s and also served his country during World War II. When It was then when his plane was met with an accident, leading to his death. However, Prince George was a little infamous for his love of cocaine and women and men. Yep, and, yep, there's, yep. and there's some conspiracy theorists that believe he was killed and the plane crash was a a staged cover-up um this isn't helped by the fact that the paperwork about the death and the plane crash mysteriously disappeared shortly after it was reported and the sole survivor of the plane crash signed a official secret act forbidding him from revealing any details about what what occurred during the accident which if that's not some we've got some shit to hide about this accident i don't know what is yeah that's sketch I don't know why you wouldn't just kill the sole survivor. Not that I am advocating murder, 
but like <laughs> i don't know that's kind of what it sounds like but like in a sense like if you're already staging this entire plane crash other people are involved in it and it's all to cover up the fact that you murdered prince george yeah why would you let one person live like you've already done all of this other stuff yeah like unless Man, pr- unless it was like a for a weird uh comparison unless it's like that part in captain america winter soldier where it's like he's in public and so you can't just like kill captain america in front of like the eyes of people around him because that's gonna just cause more questions yeah so you have to take him somewhere else to do it but then like still just take him somewhere else to do it like (laughs) can't be that hard not when you've got the the royal family and you're you know in your corner about it yeah and their superpowers and queen elizabeth's internal uh uh, eternal youth due to being a satanistic cannibal of children with with a reptilian alien bloodline yeah who is you know also vampires like (laughs) so those are some of the conspiracy theories i found about the royal family man prince george had a fucked up life though too oh i was just thinking One that also came up that wasn't associated with the royal family, and because I didn't know what you were going to be talking about 100% for sure when I was writing my notes, uh, was the the theory that Anastasia survived. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. But you'll talk about that eventually, I'm sure. Yeah, I want to do another uh, Russia episode. They have so many interesting things. They got a lot of serial killers. They do. They got a lot of real bad serial killers. Mother Russia. (laughs) Uh, yeah, uh, Prince George was very upset that there was a family ban on going to uh, Edward's wedding to Wallace because Edward had helped him out of a bind while he was in the midst of his uh, getting drugged and alcoholed and men and women and all that. <laughs> he was in a pretty serious scandal and Edward was the one who was there to help him out. But I didn't want to say nice things about Edward because he's a fucking Nazi, so fucking nazi yeah i don't think i said anything i mean i doubt i said anything in my edward part that you didn't okay cool oh there was a quote uh that i found of his that was dictators are uh for king edward quote dictators are very popular these days we might want one in england before long (laughs) yeah that sounds like edward (laughs) fucking prick i i titled my note uh prince edward royal prick so accurate accurate oh man well thanks for joining us today as we chatted about our rotten royals we hope that you'll reach out to us with your own experiences we want your stories your questions and your feedback just send us an email at strange unusual podcast at gmail.com if you're sending a story we just ask that you put listener story in the subject line so that we can sort through those a little more easily do you have a alien reptilian bloodline we want to know yeah like, do you have a royal conspiracy theory I didn't cover that you would like us to talk about? Let us know. Absolutely. Tell us. Also, we've been recording for almost exactly four hours. I know. My throat's starting to hurt. <laughs> Same. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at strange underscore unusual underscore podcast or our personal accounts Roy Rampage and Calamity Casey where we post the weird shit in our personal lives. You can find us on Twitter at underscore strange unusual at Calamity Casey and at Roy Rampage. We're on Facebook. Just search for The Strange and Unusual Podcast. We're also both kind of streaming, and you can check us out at twitch.tv slash calamitycasey and twitch.tv slash royarampage. And if you would like to, you can join us over on patreon.com slash strangeunusual, where we have bonus episodes, a access to our Discord, a tier where you can tell us what we're going to talk about and we don't have a choice. 
Um, and occasionally early access to episodes by a couple of days. Um, it just depends on when I get done with editing them. Sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's like 24 hours or like four hours or five minutes or whatever. Um, but we understand right now that it may not be the best time to financially support a podcast and we totally understand. But if you can just take a moment to, you know, like, share, subscribe, rate, review, um, share us on with a friend, interact with our content on our social medias. It helps a lot sharing posts and things like that just to get the word out for us. Um, Because the more eyes that we can get on the podcast, the more ears we can get listening to it. And hopefully we can start getting more uh, maybe ads and other things like that. More people to listen to us. Don't tell them we're going to give them ads. They're never going to help us. Well, if you join our Patreon, our Patreon will never have ads also. That's true. There's that. You write. You write when you write. (laughs) And um, if you leave us a five-star review, no matter what it says, I will read it on the podcast. It can be mean. It can be nice. I don't care as long as it's five stars. Jurassic Park was a great movie. Five stars. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be relevant to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Roya needs to spend five minutes every episode talking about weird scenes in the MCU that something she's talking about (laughs) reminds her of. Five stars. Uh, Casey should dress up as a nun for the podcast. Five stars. Yeah, for no one to see but Roya. For no one to see. You could be dressed up as a nun right now. No one would know. I, you know, I am. You don't even know. Oh, yeah. The nun is on the inside. (laughs) She's always with me. You've become the nun. Okay. Uh, Anyway, until next time, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye.